Nehemiah 9. Now, in the 24th day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting, with sackcloth, and with dirt on them. The offspring of Israel separated themselves from all foreigners, and they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. They stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of Yahweh their God a fourth part of the day, and a fourth part of the day they confessed and worshipped Yahweh their God. Then Jeshua, Bani, Kadmiel, Shebaniah, Buni, Sherebiah, Bani, and Shanani of the Levites stood up on the stairs and cried out with a loud voice to Yahweh their God. And then the Levites, Jeshua and Kadmiel, Bani, Hashabaniah, Sherebiah, Hadiah, Shebaniah, and Pethathiah said, Stand up and bless Yahweh your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all. Blessing and praise. You are Yahweh, even you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their army, the earth and all the things that are on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all. The army of heaven worships you. You are Yahweh, the God who chose Abram, brought him out of Ur of the Chaldees, gave him the name of Abraham, found his heart faithful before you and made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite and the Girgashite to give it to his offspring and have performed your words for you are righteous. You saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry by the Red Sea and showed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and against all his servants and against all the people of his land. For you knew that they dealt proudly against them and made a name for yourself as it is today. You divided the sea before them so that they went through the middle of the sea on dry land and you cast their pursuers into the depths as a stone into the mighty waters. Moreover, in a pillar of cloud you led them by day, and in a pillar of fire by night, to give them light in the way in which they should go. You also came down on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven, and gave them right ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments, and made them known to your holy Sabbath, and commanded them commandments, statutes, and a law by Moses your servant, and gave them bread from the sky for their hunger, and brought water out of the rock for them for their thirst, and commanded them that they should go in to possess the land which you had sworn to give them. But they and our fathers behaved proudly, hardened their neck, didn't listen to your commandments, and refused to obey. They weren't mindful of your wonders that you did among them, but hardened their neck, and in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But you are a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and didn't forsake them. Yes, when they had made themselves a molded calf and said, This is your God who brought you up out of Egypt, and had committed awful blasphemies, yet you and your manifold mercies didn't forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud didn't depart from over them by day to lead them in the way, neither did the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way in which they should go. You gave also your good spirit to instruct them, and didn't withhold your manna from their mouth, and gave them water for their thirst. Yes, forty years you sustained them in the wilderness, they lacked nothing. Their clothes didn't grow old, their feet didn't swell. Moreover, you gave them kingdoms and peoples, which you allotted according to their portions. So they possessed the land of Sihon, even the land of the king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan, 
You also multiplied their children as the stars of the sky and brought them into the land concerning which you said to their fathers that they should go in to possess it. So the children went in and possessed the land and you subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hands with their kings and the peoples of their land that they might do with them as they pleased. They took fortified cities and a rich land and possessed houses full of all good things, cisterns dug out, vineyards, olive groves and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate, were filled, became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you, cast your law behind their back, killed your prophets that testified against them to turn back to you and committed awful blasphemies. Therefore, you delivered them into the hand of their adversaries who distressed them. In the time of their trouble, when they cried to you, you heard from heaven, and according to your manifold mercies, you gave them saviors who saved them out of the hand of their adversaries. But after they had rest, they did evil again before you. Therefore, you left them in the hands of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried to you, you heard from heaven, and many times you delivered them according to your mercies and testified against them that you might bring them again to your law. Yet they were arrogant and didn't listen to your commands, but sinned against your ordinances, which, if a man does, he shall live in them, turned their backs, stiffened their neck, and would not hear. Yet many years you put up with them and testified against them by your spirit through the prophets, yet they would not listen. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the land, Nevertheless, in your manifold mercy, you didn't make a full end of them, nor forsake them, for you are a gracious and merciful God. Now therefore our God, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who keeps covenant and loving kindness, don't let all the travail seem little before you that has come on us, on our kings, on our princes, on our priests, on our prophets, on our fathers, and on all your people since the time of the kings of Assyria to this day. However, you are just in all that has come on us, for you have dealt truly, but we have done wickedly. Also our kings, our princes, our priests, and our fathers have not kept your law, nor listened to your commandments and your testimonies, which you have testified against them. For they have not served you in their kingdom, and in your great goodness that you gave them, and in the large and rich land which you gave before them, they didn't turn from their wicked works. Behold, we are servants today, and as for the land that you gave to our fathers to eat its fruit and its good, behold, we are servants in it. It yields much increase to the kings whom you have set over us because of our sins. Also, they have power over our bodies and over our livestock at their pleasure, and we are in great distress. Yet for all of this, we make a sure covenant and write it, and our princes, our Levites, and our priests seal it. So the people here are gathered with Ezra for, it says, half a day. It says a quarter of a day for reading the law and a quarter of a day for, for confession. And then they begin to do it. Now, this is what you call a solemn assembly. And um, you find solemn assemblies in other places in the Bible, like in Joel 1.14, Zephaniah 3.18. These are you know minor prophets, but they call the people to a solemn assembly, which is basically a special gathering where people will come either because the Lord wants them to come for a certain reason or you can call your own solemn assembly because you've got to get right with God. And um, in Joel 2.16, for example, 
it says, let the bridegroom leave his chamber. Um, and it says that in, in connection with calling a solemn assembly. Joel was saying things are so severe in the land that even if you're on your honeymoon, get yourself in here to prayer. <laughs> and um, whereas uh, most of us who've had a honeymoon, we know that you know you forget about everything on your honeymoon except just you know getting to know your your wife or husband. So, but no, the prophet Joel was saying, man, things are so serious. If you're on honeymoon, forget it. Get yourself in here. So solemn, solemn assemblies were important occasions and the Israelites are here in solemn assembly. And in this chapter, we've just read that they've been summarizing all the sins of their ancestors right down to this day and all the goodness of the Lord had shown to them. And, um, and, uh, and they were basically in the process of confessing. Now, it'll continue and we'll cover more of it in the chapters that are ahead. But despite all the Lord did for Israel, um, they were still rebellious. But the Lord knew that they were going to do all of this. We, we know that because, <laughs> because God, not only does God know everything, but way back in the book of Deuteronomy, we've got Deuteronomy 28 outlines what was going to happen. The Lord knew what would happen to them, and it did. So you think to yourself, why would the Lord be kind to them if he knows what's going to happen? So, for example, you know, all along the process, you've got the children of Israel, they, they follow God for a bit, they turn their back on God, they repent, the Lord has mercy. But then they do it again. But why would the Lord have mercy that first time if he knows they're going to do it again? And why would he have mercy the second time if he knows they're going to do it again? And why would he have mercy any of the times if he knows they're going to do it dozens and dozens and dozens of times? So you imagine you've got uh, you know, someone doing something to you and um, that's horrible. And um, let's say someone's playing practical jokes on you and you ask them to stop and they say they're sorry. Um, so you forgive them, but then they do it again then you know you ask them to stop and they say they're sorry and you forgive them. And after a while, because you're a human being, because I'm a human being, we, grow, we lose patience with people, usually after three or four times. Some people only after twice and we give up. But now let's say that someone came to you and they said, sorry, but um, you know they whispered in your ear and they said, it's not a real sorry, I'm gonna do it again straight away you would think to yourself, I'm not going to forgive you. <laughs> I'm not going to let you off. You're going to do it again. And you know they're going to do it again. Well, see, that's the Lord's mercy at work. That's why the Lord's mercy is different to your mercy and different to my mercy. Because the Lord forgives us every time for our sin, knowing we'll sin again. Every single time. There's not a single time that you go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness that you're not going to sin again. The Lord knows it. And you know it too. But the Lord's mercy is not like our mercy. The Lord's mercy is of a completely different order again. And it's timeless. It's wisdom. It's, it's wise. It's unfathomable. It's wonderful. So here in this chapter, the Lord listens to their repentance. But the Lord knows that they will sin again in other ways. The Lord, I mean, the Lord could cast his mind forward, so to speak, to when he's going to destroy Jerusalem a second time. I mean, you think about what we know. We know the gospel stories. We know what happened. We know that Jesus said, you know, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, you who stoned the prophets, how I long to gather you, but you were not willing. 
that when the Lord was forgiving these people here, right here in the Nehemiah and hearing their confession, he knew that he was going to say that. And this is the unfathomable, unfathomable mercy of our Lord. And you would say, well, why would the Lord allow all of that to happen? And the answer is, because of the wisdom of God, the Lord knows that good will come out of it in the long run. And you'd say, well, what good could possibly come out of it? Well, at least a part of the good is that you and I are sitting here today looking at it and it strengthens our faith. It also teaches us about the mercy of the Lord. It shows us so much. And in our own lives, when we receive the forgiveness of the Lord, his mercies, and we know we don't deserve it, we know that we're going to sin again at some point, and yet we know he's so gracious in forgiving us, it causes our love for him to abound and grow. It causes us to acknowledge that we need him all the time. It helps us to keep us humble. It positions us in faith and grace, which is the place we must be. And even though we know the law of the Lord, and by that I mean, I don't mean the Old Testament law, but we know that the Lord wants us to live right. Even though we know that, we know we're not saved by that. And it becomes our desire to live right. It becomes our desire to live for him. And so we cry out and ask for his help. So in the end, the mercy of the Lord is the most wonderful thing of all. And the Bible does say in the New Testament that the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. And when we truly have a vision of his mercy and his kindness, it brings us closer to him, which is what he really wants. <laughs> so Lord, I want to thank you for your mercy and your kindness. I thank you that you forgive your people, including us, even though we're so often just returning to the filth that we had before. And I pray, Lord, you'd purify our hearts, purify our minds, and may we be drawn close to you more and more all the time. Amen.